Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Porn Star Confessions. Today I've got the legendary Kane Marco. So welcome, Kane. Howdy, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, okay, a lot of these I know the answers to, but you know I'm going to ask for the benefit of everyone else. But where does your story begin? Um. I mean, my porn story or the story that was 42 years ago? But <laughs> I guess a little bit about, like, your upbringing, you know, what kind of jobs you had, your life story, um, and then, you know, how you transitioned that into porn. Okay. Um, so, I mean, in terms of growing up, the youngest of four, um, grew up in Chicago, so Midwestern boy. Um in terms of kind of going forward, um, after undergrad, my undergrad was in computer information science and graduated into the dot-com bubble bursting. Um, so it was one of those things of having a shiny credential that means absolutely nothing. Um, and so was living in Philadelphia and had actually got to see um, Annie Sprinkle, um, the female porn star talking about sex work. And I was just like, you know what? I can be a hooker. Um, <laughs> aspirations. Um, and so had actually decided to, for probably about three years doing sex work in Philadelphia um, as an escort in my early twenties. Um, made some bad choices, um, wrong prioritizations. And after a few years, it was just like, okay, that's enough. Um, went back, went to grad school, worked in healthcare for about a decade or so. Um, had a couple long relationships. Um, was living in Portland and had one relationship just spectacularly fail. Um, and was just sort of like, you know what? What am I doing? Um, I can follow this course um, for the next 20 years and people will think that I'm successful by every metric of the American dream and fucking hate my life. Um, and so was basically like spent a year kind of planning out a sabbatical um, and also um, decided was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay for it on my back um, because people have been telling me I look like a porn star. So I've done sex work in the past. I know some of the pitfalls of it. So um, spent nine, 12 months planning out kind of a year of following my passions and hooked all along the way, um, traveled the U.S., went through Europe, um, kind of did a checklist of things. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, at some point in my life, I'd like to do that. Um, and was actually in Houston um, when this incredibly sexy man, uh, Mr. Bolden, was just like, hey, you want to make a video? Um, and it did. Uh, and it turned out to be very popular. Um, so that was kind of my first time doing an OnlyFans video. Um, back in, I want to say, 2000 and... 19, like, um, and then 
went over to Europe for a few months, um, came back, was on my way to Portland, Oregon to get my stuff, stopped over in Vegas and did my second OnlyFans video um, with Leo Forte. Um, and I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this. Um, and then moved in Chicago and um, kind of was new and noteworthy um, and started getting calls from studios and like, well, I guess I'm going to be a porn star too. My thinking was that like, oh, this is going to be great for my escorting because clearly people will see my work, want to hire me, um, which is funny because at this point, um, escorting is very much the minor, the smallest portion of the segment. So, if you don't mind me asking, like, the first time around when you tried out escorting, what were the, what went wrong? Um, I was too concerned about making money. Uh, it was one of those things where, I mean, one, escorting in 2000, um, before Rentman, before Rent Boy went under, um, I had a pimp. I worked in a house. It was a very different market than it was these days. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like, oh, I have plans with friends. I just got a call that I can go work. I'm going to go work. Um, and turns out if you consistently bail on people to go hook, um, you stop getting invited places. You suddenly, after a few months, it's just like, oh, right. I don't get invited because I don't follow through and don't show up. And so it's sort of like, oh, right. The reason I'm lonely is because I've ditched everyone I care about in pursuit of fucking people for money. Um, that was one of those things where I'm just like, no, this time around, that is definitely um, a lesson learned. And it's like, oh, no, if I have plans, then the people I love and care about are not more important than making a couple of bucks. Yeah. I, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I haven't talked to anyone else about that, but like, I don't think most people realize that when you escort, you're on call 24 seven, mm -hmm. you know, and then like the Murphy's law, I'm guessing it was probably the same way for you where Murphy's Law kicks in, where you could have nothing going on all day long, no one will contact you. The second you have plans and you're going to do something, that's when you'll Are be you available to right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's at this point, generally when people contact me, I'm like, contact me a week to 24 hours beforehand and we can set something up. But the Right now, at this moment, like, I'm a married 42-year-old man. Like, I have shit going on. <laughs> no, I get that. So, and you live in Chicago now, if I remember correctly, right? <laughs> what made you move back there? Like, was it always just home? Um, so, I mean, I left in 97 um, and bounced around a whole bunch. And I was just like, when it finally got to the point after nine months on the road of being like, I want to bet. I really want to wake up in the same city 
for like a week in a row. That would be awesome. Um, and it was just like, oh, Chicago, Atlanta, um, those are two centrally located cities because I still travel a bunch. Um, and starting the housing search, and it was one of those things where suddenly friend of a friend was like, hey, do you know anyone who's looking for a two-bedroom apartment in Boys Town, Chicago that has a backyard um, for $1,400 a month? And I was just like, my response to that was, how often do the walls bleed? Because that sounds too fucking good. I mean, I've never been to Chicago, but I'm guessing Port... I'm guessing Chicago's more expensive than Denver, and that sounds insanely cheap. Yeah. I mean, my rent has been gone up, but I mean, just the fact that I have a 500-square-foot garden um, in the middle of the city is pretty unheard of. So that alone to it is worth it to me. Wow. You said garden. Yes. So is that one of your hobbies? I am a plant person. I cannot keep anything indoors alive because I live in a cave. Um, But the backyard is probably got about 50 different species of kind of flowering plants and herbs and um, fruit trees and whatnot. How did you get into that? I've always been a plant person. Um, I mean, growing up, going to the nursery with my mom, and I mean, I think I planned my first garden when I was like 12. Because um, bougie little white kid. Damn. What do you mean you live in a cave? Because you said you can't keep anything alive. Um, I mean, as you can see, live on a ground floor. So those are my windows. Um, I like dark colors. Um, Thankfully, I know enough about lighting um, to actually be able to show up on video. But the ground floor apartment, darkly lit, um, not a lot of natural light. And uh, one thing I did want to address to you, because I'm sure plenty of people watching are thinking this, but I'm having a brain fart. I can't remember his name. Um, Clay in Sons of Anarchy. I mm-hmm. remember telling you the first time we met, I was like, you look like his clone. Like, and, I'm guessing you get that Sons of Anarchy, Aliens. Four, I think it is. Um, Sons of Anarchy. I actually know the gym that he works out in in LA. And at some point, I'm going to catch him. Be like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, you just, like, yeah, that was, I remember when I first saw your picture, I was like, yeah, you're like, a younger, more masculine, more muscular clay. Like, you just, yeah. That's how I would describe you. But, um, one thing, though, speaking of the masculine, I meant, because I've touched on this a little bit with, like, a lot of guys, but I feel like you really, um, how do I want to say this? Um, Like, you know how in the gay community, there's this whole idea that, like, 
it's not manly to bottom, if you will, like it's a more submissive person or whatever. But when mm-hmm. I look at you, I see like this ultra masculine manly man. And I feel like you especially are able to bottom and still maintain your masculinity and all that stuff. And like, what are your thoughts on all that? Where do you think that came from? Um, where did bottom shaming come from? Yeah. Um, misogyny? <laughs> it's the more feminine role, so clearly we hate it. Um, Interesting. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, that if you look, there's cultures around the world where they're like, oh, it's okay to be gay as long as you're not the bottom. Like, because if you're the top, that means you're just so fucking manly and virile that, like, you need to put your dick in something. Um, I mean, that is American cultures that goes back all the way to fucking ancient times, the Greco-Roman era, um, that getting your dick wet, well, that just makes you a man. Um, but getting fucked. Well, that makes you less than that. Um, which is funny because getting fucked, I think, or bottoming is probably a lot more challenging than being topping in my life, where it's just like, um, so, I mean, I think that it's just a deep-seated prejudice that humans have always fucking had, um, and that the gay community just picks it up because it's tried and true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's um, and I mean, you see that everywhere. I mean, the number of times where someone's just like, oh, he's a top, but I heard he bottoms. And, you know, that means that he's not a real top, which that's bullshit. Wow. So I'm guessing that in your private life, you're versatile. Yes. So did you, like, when you decided to start doing videos and everything, did you struggle? Like, did you have that kind of push and pull about bottoming? Or were you just like, fuck it, this is me and whatever? Um, I mean, so the first video I do, I first video with Mr. Bowler, um, he pounded me down for like two hours straight. So like, fantastic. And I was just like, okay, well, I guess... That concern goes out the window. Like, I'm never going to be the dumb alpha top. That's just also not who I am. Um, it is, I mean, I do get fan things being like, oh, like, I can't watch you bottom because you're my top. Um, you're such a big, burly alpha male. Um, like, okay. That's a, that is a, great idea of who I am, but your idea of who I am is not actually who I am. And so, I mean, one of the things that I firmly believe um, is that we deserve all the pleasures of our body. Um, Getting fucked in the ass feels good, and there's absolutely no reason I don't deserve to feel good. Yeah. You're absolutely right, and I've known... I'm wondering if you deal with this also, because like 
I've known a lot of guys, and especially if they're black, I feel like it makes it even worse where, you know, they'll be like you and they'll be on the much larger size, very masculine, very muscular. And then it's like, guys will be like, oh, well, you can't bottom. Or, you know, they'll mm-hmm. kind of have the like, no, motherfucker, I like what I like. Like, I, I'm guessing you've dealt with that. Yeah. And I mean, um, before I started doing porn, I was in a five-year relationship with a guy who was very well endowed. Um, and I have a fairly thick dick. Um, and he just, his biology, like, he did not enjoy that thickness. It was very uncomfortable. And so I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I'm much more of the bottom in this relationship and I'm not mad about that. But I definitely remember being at a pool party um, and hearing someone whisper being like, naked pool party, everyone's hanging out. And they're like, yeah, it's a shame that he's an exclusive bottom. It's just like, huh, I'm an exclusive bottom. Nice to know. And so it's people being stupid yeah. and people will always be stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting though. Cause like, or, you know, a lot, I feel like the opposite's also true. Like, especially if a guy's like a twink or more feminine, then he has to be a bottom. There's no way he can be a top. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can't you know, typecast people based on you look like this, therefore you must be this position. Yeah. I mean, it's ultimately it's about that kind of attitude just makes the world into a very simple and uninteresting place where it's just like, Oh, I mean, I love the term blouse, a feminine top. Um, I think that's fantastic. Um, and there are plenty of feminine tops um and they are great but the idea that like oh you have to be manly in a top you have to be feminine a bottom you have to have x y and z and then you are this um it's really fucking boring yeah also i can swear as much as i want because we're not worrying about monetization yet correct yeah <laughs> I curse like a sailor, so. Yeah, no, no, you're all good. Um, no, it's just, I, I feel like, but I feel like we are moving in a positive direction, you know, that it is kind of changing slowly and, you know, because, I mean, I've interviewed quite a few people, I'll never call anyone out under any circumstance, where they will bottom in their private life, but they can't on camera because it would, you know, alienate a lot of their core audience. And it's like... It would ruin their brand. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... That is a genuine and valid concern because if you're doing this full-time and this is your source of income and suddenly you do something that makes your marketability tank by 40%, fuck. That had real consequences on someone's income. Oh, Um, yeah. And, I mean, 
I know that that happens with bi performers as well, where they're just like, oh, I can't show myself, have a video of, like, as a predominantly man-on-man performer, I have to have a separate, or someone would have to have a separate channel for male female performances because um, the two audiences can't stand to see someone do have sex with someone they're not attracted to, um, which is just stupid bullshit again. Yeah, no, I believe Gunnar Stone was thinking about separating his content for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, no, it's sad. Um, so porn and like sex work, that's all you do, correct? That is my full-time gig. I am, I describe myself as a fleshmonger. Skin for sale. <laughs> fleshmonger. I can't say I've heard that one before. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I believe, uh, I'll go through them a little later, but I believe one of the questions that someone submitted was, if you weren't doing porn, what would you be doing right now? Um, alternate history where, like, I never got into porn yeah. or... Um, I mean, I have a small soap business, so maybe I would be running a soap empire um, comparable to Dr. Squatch. Um, I am somewhat annoyed that I found out that you can actually have a business um, defrauding and drowning billionaires. Um, I missed that boat. Um, That would have been fantastic. Um, I mean, the... Yeah, I don't necessarily know what else I would do um, right now. Um, I mean, I am one of those people who never really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, like, at one, when my parents moved out of their place, and they're like, "Oh, here's the like twenty years of shit that we held from your childhood," and I remember um, finding there's. I think in first grade, I'm like, I wanted to make marbles. That was my childhood dream. Um, We don't make marbles. Um, And so have always been a bit of a petty dabbler. Um, So um, not sure what's next um, or what I would be doing otherwise. So if you don't want me asking, what did you do exactly when you were in healthcare? Um, I was a GP. So you're a medical doctor. Primary care. Wow, shit. I didn't know that. (laughs) I keep it a little close to my chest, but yes. Damn. That's very impressive. So you had talked about, like, you know, you had had the American dream and all that, but you were, like, miserable. Why? Um, I mean, I think that to get into why healthcare is broken um, in the United States, um, personally, it got to the point where being in a situation where it's just like, hey, so you need X, 
um, your insurance says we need to do A, B, C, and D first before you can get X. And we're going to run through that process as quickly as we can, but it's going to be six months, nine months until we can actually get you what you need. Um, and it's going to be a frustrating back and forth. Um, and I think I was pretty good at setting those expectations, but um, we have a system of healthcare that is based on profiting off of a denial of service, um, which is kind of fucked up in my mind. Um, and so it was just one of those things where it's just like, wow, I'm complicit in a system that does not fucking care about me. Um, and it's also one of those things where um, it's underfunded. Um, I haven't stayed too much on top of it, but with the Affordable Care Act, there was a huge expansion on federal funding. Um, and that follow-up funding never actually got approved because of our government um, is contrarian. And some people don't think we should take care of everyone. Um, and so suddenly we shifted the bit like, here, for the first couple of years, you're going to get all of this money. And then it's your fault or your responsibility to pay for everything. And so um, one of the things that happened in Oregon is that they had, I think it went from 80,000 people on the rolls of government health care to 600,000 people. Um, massive expansion. Oh, and by the way, now the state is responsible for because we've already spent the first seven years of money. Um, and now what the state has to do is restrict things, not pay for things because, well, that's just not covered. Um, I remember, for example, woman with very large, ample breasts who fucking chronic debilitating back pain because she's carrying 30 pounds around her chest um the thing that would do it was a breast reduction that is considered a cosmetic surgery and sorry there's nothing we can do to fix the problem would you like some oxycodone and that frustration was daily Okay, yeah, that would fucking wear me down. A decade of that, and I was just sort of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. I've been on the receiving end of some of that shit, and, you know, or even, like, when you need to get in to see a specialist, it's like, an issue that's urgent, they're like, oh, okay, we can get you in in six months. Like, what the fuck? No. Mm -hmm. It's like, in six months, this won't be an issue because my leg will have already fallen off. <laughs> yeah. No, I saw, uh, I don't like to talk politics on the show at all, um, 
but I, I saw something interesting. It was with uh, Warren Buffett, and he was basically talking about how he could fix, like, all these fucking problems in, like, five minutes flat. And they're like, how would you do that? And he's like, simple. I would make it so that if this, this, and this, and this didn't happen, that all the members of Congress wouldn't, wouldn't be eligible for re-election. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, damn. <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, it all comes down to money. And yeah, when denying shit to people who need it, like you said, the woman with breasts, that's just that's just wrong. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I think all Americans should do is travel internationally and see how the rest of the world lives. Um and then come back and see whether or not you think we have the best way of doing it. No. What are What are some of your favorite places you've traveled to? Because you've traveled like a shit ton. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the U.S., I'd say my favorite place to travel to is New Orleans. Um, that is a wonderful, weird city. Um, the thing that I love about it is if you get a hundred drunk Americans, there's going to be a fight. That's just what we do. Um, and in New Orleans, you get a thousand drunk Americans and it's like a good time. Oh, I'm sorry. I spilled your beer. Have mine. Um, it's just this weird city where there is a spirit of conviviality that doesn't exist in the rest of this country um, that I've seen. Um, Internationally, I'd say Spain is probably my favorite place. Um, Madrid is pretty fantastic, um, but also um, just the northern rural Spain is absolutely beautiful. um, Any place where you can get a liter gallon or liter box of wine for less than a dollar can't be that bad. Okay. And I I just want to reiterate something you said. The plug for New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans fuck, eight or nine times. It's by far my favorite place to go. And like, I don't drink. I don't party. I don't go to bars. I don't go to clubs. And even then, I still freaking love that city. The food, the culture, the people, the architecture, like, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it is a rare gem of a city, and I hope we do more to protect it. Because, yeah. yeah. It, it is a city that is in danger from hurricanes and climate change. We should protect that. Oh, yeah. Now, even the graveyards there are like, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It, we're definitely in agreement on that. Um, so, and I remember someone also had asked about Portland. Someone submitted mm-hmm. a question. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. Because you um, like catastrophically failed or something. Um, I mean, Portland is a pretty great city. Um, my, my relationship failing there had 
nothing to do with it being Portland. Um, I would say that as a middle-aged guy, um, my complaint with Portland is that I knew a ton of people who moved there right after undergrad, and it's a great city to get started in. It's affordable, less affordable now, um, but it's affordable, friendly, easy to live in. Um, and I know a bunch of people who were like, oh, we were decided to retire early. Um, we sold off our condo in San Francisco, Manhattan, and now we're in our late 50s and we're living the Portland lifestyle. Um, in my late 30s, early 40s, um, I remember going to Houston and just being like, I'm in a bar with people my own age. Um, and that just... I mean, it may have changed in the last five years since I moved out, but it was just one of those things where it's a great starting city, it's a great ending city, but I just watched most of my friends get promoted out of the city, and so it's just like, oh, as a middle-aged guy, I don't really have a ton of peers in this city. And I mean, part of that is that it is a smaller city, but also, um, I think, just sort of the demographics kind of work against it. Gotcha. So uh, fast forwarding to, so you did your first two collabs. Like, did you have a Twitter at the time? Like, how did you know how like popular they were? Like kind of walking through, you know. Um, so I'd set up my Twitter. Um, the funny thing is that I remember when I was first starting my kind of walkabout nine-month tour of the States, um, my boyfriend at the time was just like, oh, there's this thing called OnlyFans, and you could, like, take videos of you working out and, like, post them, and people will pay to see them. And I remember thinking that was the stupidest idea ever. Why would anyone pay to watch a video with me? <laughs> Fast forward. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I kind of decided, like... Um, made that first video and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Um, and so uh, I think my very first, first Twitter post was a picture of me on my friend's couch in New York City setting up my account. Um, and it just sort of took off from there. Um, started off, oh, and actually I did a collab with um, Pete Masters in London while I was over there. So that was my second that was my actual second collab um so it was getting the ball rolling um, and just decided to let me like see if it works um i mean was living comfortably as an escort and i was just like okay more money more streams of income is more streams of income that it'll be great if it works and it worked and Knowing what you know now, like, what are the positives and negatives of doing porn for you personally? Um, I mean, I would say that um, there is definitely a difference between porn studios and adult content on the fan sites. Um, I think those are two similar, but similar and related, but different experiences. Um, 
I mean, knowing just how much of a a skilled job it actually is of just like, oh, not only do I have to do like all of the logistics and planning and setting up, but I also have to do marketing and videography. Um, and I go back and look at my early photos or my early videos and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm glad someone watched that because um, that's grainy as shit and you can't see anything. So, I mean, I think that, and when people ask me like, oh, should I get an OnlyFans? And it's like, do you want a part-time job? Um, because it is a part-time job. It could be a full-time job if you want. Um, just responding to messages and working the algorithm and getting engagement. Um, I think one thing that I've definitely learned um, with that is um, not letting the algorithm not letting the algorithm dictate my sense of self-worth. Um, there was definitely early on where I'm just like, oh, this only got like a thousand views. I must be a garbage person. Um, and shadow banning happens. The algorithm is fickle um, and just sort of like, no. I mean, if you never get above 100 followers, maybe you shouldn't be poor. But there are waves and rhymes, and you're not always going to be on top. Um, and when you're not on top, that doesn't mean that no one loves you and that you're a terrible person. That um, you should just hide in a cave and never come out again. Um, so how did I mean, I think, how did you learn to separate it? Um, I mean, practice. Um, I, I mean, looking at, um, engagement and trying different things, being like, oh, this didn't work. Um, so let me try something that does work. Um, I mean, I remember when I first found out about shadow banning, um, and the fact that it can be contagious, um, that was something that I'm just like, oh my God. Um, that's so like that was something where I'm like, oh right, that's the reason why no one is seeing this. Give it two weeks, let the ban fall off, and everything will go back to normal. So, can you explain shadow banning? Because I'm sure a lot of people watching aren't familiar with what that is. I'm sure they've heard it, but they don't know what it is exactly. Um, so shadow banning is basically the idea that um, people aren't going to see your content. Um, and there's um, the simplest form of it is a search ban. Um, and pretty much any adult profile on Twitter um, has a search ban. Um, if you put Kane Marco XXX into the search function of Twitter, unless you already follow me, I will not come up as a president. Um, and so that's kind of the first level. Um, the um, deeper levels where they're like, oh, you're, we're not gonna show your content to people. You're not gonna show up in search. We're not going to show your content to people. Um, and I understand as basically the 
deepest layer of shower ban is just like no one will ever see your shit. Um, like you can post as much as you want. It's just it will not be displayed on anyone's feeds. And so there's a couple different levels to that, um, at least on Twitter. Um, every different social media has different algorithms, but kind of Twitter is most famous for that. And there's a couple apps where, that exist where you can see what level of shadow you have. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are the names of those apps? I'm curious. Um, I am sure Google is off the top of its head. I do not. Um, partially because they get taken down um, because they don't want you to know about them. So um, the, there was one. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you were to type in am I shadow banned, um, there will probably be one or two applications that will let you search for shadow Wow. Damn. So what do you enjoy doing more? Studio work or content? And content? Um, I mean, I think it depends on the studio. There are some studios that are just fun to work for, um, particularly directors. Um, fan content is way easier and much less low stakes. Um, it can be one of those things where it's like, oh, we're going to Hey, my guts are off. Let's reschedule this. We'll do it tomorrow. Not a problem. Um, with studio work, they're just like, no, get on set. You're going to stay on set for the next 12 hours. Um, not every studio has 12 hour days, but um, there is sort of like the, there is a much more stringent schedule that we have to adhere to. And um, with studios, they're like, no, we, we need to get, X, Y, and Z, and we're going to be here until we get X, Y, and Z. Um, whereas just like with fan content, it's just like, uh, this is what happens, not feeling it. It's okay. Um, yeah. Whereas I remember um, early on, I got called in to basically substitute because um, the guy was the guy um, who I was replacing um, just could not get clean, uh, basically. He was just booby. Um, and I have never heard his name in a studio ever since. Wow. Um, and it's just like, whereas, like, eh, you know, if you're a little poopy in fan content, like, we fix it in post, do better next time, poop happens, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's true. So, and how long have you been married for right now? Um, we just had our third year anniversary in April. Oh, wow. How did you guys meet? Um, I was visiting Chicago in, I want to say, 2015 um, as an escort and sent him a message being like, Hey, I'm in town. Like, would be cool to hang around, like hang out as escorts. Like you're hot. I'm hot. Let's hang out. Never happened. Um, fast forward three, four years. Um, I was in Atlanta. Um, and this 
cute guy comes wandering up to me and says hi. Um, he's it's like one o'clock in the morning in a club in Atlanta. Um, and I'm just like, who the fuck is this person? Friendly conversation, part ways. Turns out that was Jack. Um, so that was actually how I met him. But um, when I moved back to Chicago, um, we was just like, hey, so like we've been flirting for years. Um, do we want to actually make this happen? Yes, we did. Wow. So I'm assuming that both of you doing sex work, did that make things easier or harder? I mean, yes. Um, I made things easier. Um, I mean, I think that there is just so much of all the weird complications in Krispies, like the the parts of the job that can be hard for someone who doesn't do sex work, where it's just like, oh, right, you get it. Um, it's, I understand, that's not a big deal. Um, but also, um, there is much, with me and Jack, there's, not really much jealousy at all. Um, I'd say that we have much more compersion where it's just like, you had fun. That's awesome. Um, whereas I find that I found that a lot of times with people who weren't doing sex work, it's just like, oh, well, like, I didn't get to do that. And it's like, yeah, it was my job. Like, I made $300 to get a toothy blowjob and, and have sex with an old man. Sorry you missed out on that. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that at least being familiar with the industry and at large, it's just sort of like, oh, right, this is, you get it. Um, as opposed to being like starstruck and just like, oh, my God, what must it be like? It's just like you know what it's like. Yeah. It's not all rainbows. <laughs> it's definitely not all rainbows and blow jobs. It's mm -hmm. a job, just like any other. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I feel like if... <laughs> I feel like if most people got to spend like a week with a porn star, they would realize very quickly, no, this is actually just a job. It's not what you're imagining that it is in your mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I am supposed to present the image that I am just this horny Randy guy who's fucking all the time and I'm a dumb alpha top. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's... I would say responding to messages, coordinating logistics, like, that's probably just as much time as I spend actually having sex. Um, <laughs> it's just like, ooh, responding to emails and text messages. So hot. Oh my God. No, you're 100% like accurate about that. It's, yeah, that's, no, yeah, you spend more time doing that. Like, do you ever, does it ever get, like, exhausting for you having to, like, portray that, I guess, image or, 
you know, like your brand, if you will, where you're just like, fuck, man, I just want to be myself. Like, um, I mean, I have a generally low threshold for people in social situations in general. Um, so when my friends are just like, oh, you came out this month. And I'm just like, yes, this is the one night. Um, but it is always one of those things where like, um, I remember market days last year. Um, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go walk around the street fair um, and just have a good time. And I remember seeing this guy who had, they were clearly custom made denim chaps um, that he had made himself and they looked fucking amazing um and i was just like wow those are really cool like that was a great job and his friend was just like oh my god do you know who this is and i was like oh, cool i get to be kane right now and so um it is one of those things where i there are certain scenarios where i know that like oh i am going to be kane marco in this setting um and then there are others where i'm just myself yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is funny because when I got started out, it was just like, why did those people stop talking and get weird all of a sudden? And Jack would just be like, because they know who you are. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it. So it's taxing feeling that. It um, I mean, it's one of those things where like it can be friendly and social um but there's definitely been times where i'm just like okay i'm gonna go because this is not serving me um and just sort of the there's definitely a moment where people seeing them out in public and they're like, oh, you're a porn star. All of those wonderful rules about boundaries and consent that everyone else likes, I can throw those out because I've seen you naked. Um, and that is, it's annoying when it happens to anyone. It's more annoying when it happens to someone who you then have to thread the needle like, oh, right, am I going to piss someone off because I'm a D-list celebrity. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what you said, though, about consent boundaries is so fucking true, because I'm guessing people come up to you all the time and grab you or whatever else, and it's just, yeah. And the fact that I am a 250-pound man Gives me some advantage in those situations, but yeah. Yeah. I've definitely taken people's hands off my body and just been like, you do not have consent to touch me that way. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> when you turn about your weight, because like, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty big guy. And I remember when you and I shot together and you walked in, I was like, fuck me. I'm like, okay. Now I'm like, now I'm the little guy. How did you like get into bodybuilding? Um, I mean, so my older brother, um, he definitely got me into it. Um, 
somewhat forcefully because he's just like, no, we're going to lift the base now. Um, and so, I mean, I started working at bench press when I was probably 11, 12 years old. Um, still don't have the chest to show for it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's been one of those things where um, in terms of like mental health, picking up heavy things and putting them back down is probably the best way I can manage depression. Uh, and so that's something that's true for me. And I mean, figuring out my diet um, in my late twenties was one of those things where I'm like, Oh, right. I can actually put on mass and like be a bigger person. Do you say, did you say you don't have a chest? I mean, I'd say that if, for someone who's been bench pressing since they were 12, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> like, there are guys who have much larger chests who've been working out long, less than I have. I don't know, dude. You mean get your glasses checked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you had some serious body dysmorphia that was probably the very first thing i noticed about you other than your height um my body those, dysmorphia <laughs> yeah, for those of you watching kane is like huge if you go watch our video together i look like eh. yeah <laughs> but um let me uh get to these um Somebody asked, do you want to open your own studio or production company? Would you consider um, being an adult film star consultant? All one question. Um, so I have an LLC. Um, so I don't know if that counts as a production company. Um, but this is a bank account. They handle all my payments and do my taxes through them. Um, so that's sort of a production company. Um, in terms of having a studio where I'm hiring other porn stars and marketing their material, wow, that sounds like doing the worst parts of this job for other people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, like, ooh, I get to schedule other people and market their stuff? No. <laughs> okay. What about uh, consulting? Um, I mean, if someone's actually going to pay me for my opinion, that would be great. I think there are probably many more experienced people who have better opinions. And the number of people who ask me for advice and then don't take it thinks maybe no one's going to pay me for a consulting job. <laughs> No, I know what you mean about asking for advice and not taking it. And that just makes you feel like, wow, I just wasted my breath. Like, why did I even just, yeah. Um, someone says you're one of the nicest people they know. Um, let's see. Ooh, what's your biggest regret? In porn or just in life? Um, I 
I mean, I guess in porn, probably that I didn't start earlier. Um, it's one of those things where I remember starting off and I, um, I have always been a daddy in the industry. Um, I remember going to my first award show and they're just like, Oh, we're going to put you at the table. And it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm the youngest of the daddy. Um, I could have been doing this earlier and have not been a daddy from day one. So, but. Okay. Uh, favorite moment in porn. In front of my salad. Wait, what? Not in front of my salad? No. You don't know that one? No. A fantastic meme from a few years ago. Um, a woman is eating a salad, and I think it was men.com. Um, look it up. It's hilarious. It became a whole meme for, like, a couple of years. Oh, wait. Are you talking about with the the... There's a girl in it. Yes. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. I would also say um, Deidre, um, the SNL skit, fantastic. I love that one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, we damn! We've already asked him about his healthy habits. Healthy habits. I, um, I take that. How do you like maintain your sanity, and how would you, you know, how have you stayed relevant for as long as you have? Um, I mean, it's only been four years, so. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people, you know, kind of mm. fall off. Yeah, I mean, I think um, in terms of physical health, um, diet, exercise, whatever, um, in terms of social media, health habits, um, having real clear boundaries, um, like, I, I don't post things on the weekends because social media is my job and I don't do my job on the weekends. Um, and being able to be like, oh, I'm stepping away from that. Um, but also one of the things that Jack and I decided early on is that like for the health of our relationship, um, we were never going to be the hashtag love wins couple. Um, and so we initially we did a bunch of videos, but now it's just like, we perform enough. We give enough of ourselves, like our intimacy we don't need to sell that. That's not a commodity. Um, so that's probably one of the more enduring health habits um, for that relationship. Just being like, no, this is ours. It's not for sale. I like that. Because, I mean, you see all the time a lot of things where it's like the more a couple posts, the more miserable the relationship is. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe that. It's like, was that, uh, oh, he who does protest it too much? Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
So yeah. I think that's awesome you guys do that. Um see, uh what are your hobbies, obviously other than gardening? Because I already talked about that. Um, I mean I am a comic book dork, a game surprise. Kane Marco is a comic book dork. Um read a bunch, um, gamer, um, I enjoy crafting in all of its forms, um, took up knitting this year because I realized I was looking at screens too much, um, and there's actually a really great community of women in Chicago that I was like, oh, Thursday nights I go hang out with the girls, um, and it is something completely different. Um, nice. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, cook, um, my housewife duties, um, cooking and cleaning. <laughs> any, uh, any favorite, um, video games or superheroes? Um, favorite video games, um, I mean, I'd say as genres, kind of the Metroidvanias are probably my favorite. Um, just played Diablo 4 um, and am not doing season of the malignant because I'm just like I don't need to I don't need to play the game again from start to finish um, don't have a Nintendo so missed out on Breath of the Wild um, in terms of superheroes I mean and Marco is near and dear for the juggernaut. Um, comic book wise, I'd say actually the Sandman um, by Neil Gaiman is probably one of the greatest works of storytelling in comic books. Why do you say that? I'm not disagreeing. Um, So, I mean, I love a story that is attempting to answer a question. Um, and I would say that, I mean, I've, I've read The Sandman probably a dozen times from start to finish, um, different parts of it, back and forth. Um, and it is ultimately trying to answer the question, how much can a person change before they are someone's? Um, which is, as someone who has reinvented themselves many times, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, but just the world building and blending everything from Norris mythology, Japanese mythology, to just sheer creative brilliance. And, um, it's this rich, vibrant world um, that, is just fun um, and is fleshed out in lots of fun and interesting ways. Um, and one of the things, I don't know if it's actually something that he did, but I love that there are parts where it's just like, oh, this happened in the first couple issues and it set something up in the last couple of issues. And it's like, did you have that planned? seven years in advance that you were going to do that or are you just that masterful that you can go back and pick this up and turn it into something um 
I think it is a beautiful story, and yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Oh. So, what was the question again? The um, how, how much can a person change before they are no longer themselves? How much can a person change? Um, I mean, if you've seen the Netflix adaptation, um, the story is basically um, or dream of the the physical embodiment of dream spends eighty years in a glass cage, and it changes him. He is no longer the same person as he was when he went into that cage, um, and the the way that plays out over years of storytelling. That's like a really deep philosophical question. Damn. That's going to rattle around in my brain for like the next several months. Mm-hmm. How much can a person change before they're no longer themselves? Fuck. Damn, thank you. That's okay. That one, that's gonna be like, I'll be trying to figure that one out when I figure it out. If you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, you did a great scene for Disruptive. Would you like to work with them again? Um, that was a scene with Walden Woods. Um, Love working with Walden, and he is fantastic. Um, did another scene with him, um, and I think it was actually released under adult time. Um, and I almost convinced him to let me direct it, and he would be the model, but he did not take me up on that one. Um, but yeah, I would. If Disruptive wants to bring me back, certainly happy. Um, I think Bree Mills is their other main director. Um, haven't worked with her. Um, I hear good things. Um, but yeah, I would. Walden was a pleasure to work with. Uh, all right. So I'm going to combine two ones, two questions on this. So let's pretend that you and Jack never met. You're single. What type of man do you like? Like, what's your ideal type, I guess? Um, actually had a couple specific rules for dating um, that I came up with when I was single. Um, the first one, first rule and the broiest rule is the fuck yeah or no rule. Um, if it's not a yes, if it's not an enthusiastic yes, fuck yeah, I want to spend time with you, fuck yeah, let's go take a dinner. Then it's no. Like, if you're not excited about someone new, then when are you going to be excited about them? Like, don't settle. So that that was the first one. Um, Do they know what they want? Um, That was pretty important. Um, have, Have dated many guys who didn't know what they want and it was painfully obvious (laughs) um kind of ambition was another one um basically do they 
Do they have something they look forward to? Are they excited about something? Are they putting effort into things? Um, because someone who's just sort of like, oh, you know, whatever. It's just like, well, that sounds like you have something that you need to work on that's critical to yourself. If you're not excited, if you don't have any passions, then maybe you shouldn't be dating people. Like, figure out yourself. Like, make yourself a better option. Um, as opposed to just being like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, whatever. We, we can do whatever. Um, so those were those were my three three main criteria. That if you you could pass those, not a lot of people can. <laughs> no, you and I are definitely in agreement on the ambition. I just I've tried dating people who have none, and it's just like, oh god, like fuck something. You got to be passionate. You got to have something that that brings you to life. That makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning like something anything fucking knitting bike riding yoga building a business something mm -hmm. and i mean it doesn't have to be like i want to solve global warming anything big but it's just like if you you have to be excited about something yeah no the the first one you said though i've never thought about it like that but that that's actually really solid dating advice. Like, really solid dating advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish I could claim that it was mine, but it was an article called Fuck Yeah or No, which is one of the broiest dating articles I've ever read. Um, but it is a really great point that, like, if when you first meet someone, they're not excited about hanging out and spending time with you, it's not like, oh, now that I've spent six years with you, I'm finally excited to spend time with you. Like that, no. That that doesn't. Fuck yeah or no. Yeah, I like and, that. And I mean, like, when you've been dating or single, how many times has the game been like, oh, well, maybe we can do it later. Like, oh, I'll get back to you. Like, yeah, we can go see the movies. I'll let you know when I'm free. It's just like, Okay, you don't actually, like, that's not someone who is excited and wants to spend time with you. Yeah. And I mean, I, to a certain extent, use that with collabs when I'm filming someone. If, like, if I ask someone if they want to film and they're like, mm, yeah, maybe we can make that happen. It's like, cool, thanks for that. Bringing endorsement of support. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. No, I mean, because if someone doesn't respond that way, you just basically feel like it would be like you asked me if I want to do something, and then it's basically like me telling you, uh, well, if it comes to that time and I have no better options, then I guess, yeah, we can do something. Mm hmm. Fuck that. Hell no. I would never want to be someone's second or third or fourth option, whatever. Um, if I haven't found anything better, I'll settle. And yes. Like, cool. <laughs> that feels great. 
Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, let's see, someone also asked about X Men and Juggernaut. Um, and uh, I did have a question going back in time. What are your thoughts on like escorting versus porn? Because you and I made that same journey and. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, they're both forms of sex work. They are very different. Um, I mean, I think that there is a certain amount of notoriety and celebrity that comes with porn. Um, it's actually, so one of the reasons that I picked Kane Marco as my name when I started escorting. Um, was because if you were going to look on the internet for Kane Marco gay, I would never come up. There would be fan fiction, art, all of these things about Juggernaut getting... Yeah, and so it was just like, oh, Kane Marco is a great name to hide into, kind of just get lost. Um, thanks to porn, now the top search on Kane Marco gay. <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, I think that you can, you can escort and it goes away. Um, it's one of those things where, um, people don't, for the most part, aren't talking about, oh, this escort did this, 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 like, they're like, I paid someone for sex. And like this, like, no, they, it's still a taboo subject where it's like, and no one's going to be like, Oh, are you this escort? And it's just like yeah. that doesn't. Whereas, um, even if I wanted to and made an active effort um, to get all of my videos taken down off of the internet, it's there. It will be there in twenty years. When I am a beautiful corpse, it will be a fantastic legacy of my former glory. <laughs> And, uh, no, I mean, like, I'm curious, because for me, it's extraordinarily rare that I'll see a client. Like, only if they're, like, a long, long time established regular, and they're easy. And for me, the biggest thing was always, with escorting, it's like, you have to be, like, on point, engaged 100% of the time, like, it's very draining. Whereas with porn, it's more just, you know, you can relax, you can be yourself. Do you have that same experience or? I mean, with escorting, like, I'm in the same room and, like, I remember a, there was a client who hired me for a couple days in New York and it was just one of those things where I'm just like, okay, I am, I am your companion for three days um, and it's my job to make sure we have a good conversation. Like, Oh, you're kind of shy. Let me draw you out. Let me, let me put in all of this fucking emotional work and labor um, to make sure that you have a good time because you're paying for that. Um, and um, I mean, one of my favorite questions um, is, do you feel complete? Um, it's just like, oh, do you want anything else? Do you need anything else? Or 
before I was done. Um, whereas most people who are enjoying porn, I never interact with. They're at their computer on their phone, and I never have to see them. Um, they, it's it's a difference in participation. Yeah. So, um, do you guys have an open relationship? Are you monogamous, poly? Oh, yes, because those are becoming more popular recent. Like, not counting work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're open. Um, I think both of us have enough of a libido that, I mean, I've... I haven't been in a monogamous, monogamous relationship since my early 20s um, because I'm a hoe. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think Jack is as well. Um, I mean, when, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're not poly um, just because we're, I mean, I think that the idea of like, oh, we have us. And the idea of inviting someone else into that, it's like, oh, that's not really our dynamic. Um, I have been in poly relationships before um, with some success. Um, I am very much a fan of roles in poly relationships. Um, where it's like, oh, this is daddy, this is boy, this is sir, um, and all that in that conversation. But like, we just like us. So, I mean, there's, um, I mean, we both have a couple fuck buddies, but um, we are each other's primary sexual partner, so. And then, last two questions. Uh, one is from one of my subscribers. He wanted to know, do you have kids? And if not, have you ever wanted to have kids? I do not want kids. <laughs> There was um, no hesitation in that answer. I have plenty of nieces and nephews, and I love them dearly. And I remember my two nephews were in the back seat of the car. My dad was driving. I was in the passenger seat. And they were just being boys, 14, 12-year-old boys, being 14 and 12-year-old boys. And I think I made it about half an hour. Um, and we got to the car and I just turned to my father and I'm like, you're a saint. He's just like, why? I'm like, because me and my brother were so much worse and I'm about to murder these children. They stopped playing at that point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I, I can be a daddy, but I'll, I'll never be a father. Okay. All right. And then, uh, last one is, um, uh, one of my subscribers, uh, Archer Chase, if you uh, recognize the name, he actually, Archer, he wants to uh, photograph you. Mm-hmm. He was actually like going back and forth with me for days because he was so fucking nervous about messaging you. And like, I just want to let you know that like, when he did message you and you responded, like you really, really, really made his day. Cause he was like so nervous. He was like, Oh my God, like what if he doesn't respond? Like, yeah, I mean, 
we're talking starstruck on like another level. So you are by far his favorite content creator. Well, thank you, Archer. If I ever get down to Texas, maybe we can do that photo shoot. And uh, last but not least, your opportunity to plug anything and everything like social media, fan sites, soap, etc. Um, do we still call it Twitter? Is it X now? Um, Twitter.com slash KaneMarcoXXX, um, KaneMarcoXXX. Um, you can find me on almost all the social media fan sites, except for Instagram, because we don't do porn on Instagram, so it's KaneMarcoPG, um, and those photos are much less exciting. Um, well, your Instagram handle's really KaneMarcoPG? PG, yes. <laughs> Parental guidance suggested. I'm sorry. I love that. Okay, that's hilarious. There's a couple butts, but other than that, it's appropriate for 13-year-olds. Okay. And uh, OnlyFans, just for fans, all that is just the same as Twitter. Yeah. Um, OnlyFans, um, just for fans, um, I have a or my fans account that I no longer upload to because um, it wasn't particularly profitable. Um, similar with Sin Party. Um, so I'm on there, but I, those aren't being updated. Um, but yeah. Um, OnlyFans is a pay-per-view, free to subscribe. Um, videos generally cost $5. Um, just for fans is your subscription base. So you get to see and you get to see everything on Just for Fans as opposed to OnlyFans with a uh, moderated content. God, yeah, don't get me started on that one. Don't you love that? <laughs> no, I don't. I think everyone I've talked to has bitched about it in to one degree or another. So yeah. for the people watching who aren't familiar with your content, like your, your fan content, how would you describe it? How would you summarize it? Um, fantastic. The best thing you've ever seen. Um, yeah, um, basically, um, middle-aged white dude having sex. Um, sometimes there's a cameraman. Sometimes there's not. Um, I try to make it interesting. Um, love coming in people's asses. You want to see me naked? That's where it's at. Okay. So is it more like sensual and passionate or is it more like just animalistic? Um, I Or both. We can go with passionate. I don't think anyone's going to say sensual. Um, this is definitely um, one of the things that I love is giving men anal orgasms and I think that's fun to watch. Um, me and Jeremy Feist just did a video and I think I gave him his first 14 anal orgasms. Um, and that's a double feature. Um, that was real fun. Damn. Shit. Okay. All right. I can hook you up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, oh, so you unplug that? Um, Clark Street Soap, small soap company, um, 
There's four varieties, um, pine tar, uh, bay rum, uh, juniper charcoal, and a green tea. Um, all natural ingredients, um, no synthetics, no parabens, um, no animal testing. That is Clark underscore soap underscore street on Instagram. Um, it's probably the best place to find that or clarkstreetsoap.com. Okay. Awesome. Well, I will definitely leave all those links down below in the description that I can leave because <laughs> YouTube prevents certain things from being linked. Um, if you guys are interested... <laughs> If you guys are interested, you can find all my stuff just at Masculine Jason, one word. Um, thank you so much, Kane, for agreeing to do this. I had a blast, and I definitely look forward to shooting with you again next time you're in Denver. And uh, thank you for, um, for those of you watching, thank you so much for sticking around with us this long. Um, I hope you guys have an amazing week. Hey guys, just want to say thank you for watching this video, and if you did really enjoy it, I just wanted to mention there are two ways that you can help to support this channel. On the right side, there are three little dots. If you click those, there is a super thanks button, and on the left-hand side, there is a join button where you can join this channel. There are three different tiers of memberships. The top tier does actually allow one-on-one -on -one messaging with me via Discord, and I personally answer that. It is not a service. That's just, you know, both of those are ways that you can help support me as a content creator in this channel. I mention this because YouTube is by far the thing that I enjoy doing the most. It's the thing I'm most passionate about. And unfortunately, a lot of the sexual videos, the porn star confessions, the dom sub, all that stuff, it is not monetized due to the nature of the videos. But either way, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. I hope you guys all have an absolutely amazing week. I love you all.